0: And welcome to the first ever golf episode of Best on the Board. I'm John Hayes, an executive producer and golf writer here at The Athletic. I'm going to be joined by my colleagues, Josh Kendall, Andrew DeWitt, and Dennis Esser, to preview this week's Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. We're going to talk about. The weather. It's the number one story right now. It could be a long week, and potentially, we're looking at a Monday finish. What you're going to get is a report from Josh Kendall, who has boots on the ground at TPC Sawgrass. You're going to hear from Dennis Esser, who is our gambling expert here at The Athletic on the sport of golf. You can read his weekly column on theathletic.com. And Andrew DeWitt, our sports betting senior editor Joins me as well for this fun discussion. We're going to pick outright winners. We're going to take a look at who could potentially finish in the top 10 and pick three tournament matchups and, of course, have a discussion about the 17th hole. Will there be a hole-in-one or not? It's a fun prop bet posted by our partners at BetMGM. So sit back, relax, enjoy the golf, and enjoy the discussion as we head into the fifth major the first major of the season. All right, let's get rolling. Uh, welcome to uh, the Athletics Live Room feature here on the app. Uh, John Hayes here alongside Andrew DeWitt and, and Josh Kendall. We're here and we're pumped to preview the 2022 edition of the Players' Championship chip. Is it the fifth major? That's my question for you guys. Is there such thing as a fifth major?
1: Rory said today that it is not the fifth major, but that that, that he's okay with that. I think as long as they're giving out twenty million dollars, they can call it whatever they want. The money is my ma- the money is major <laughs> even if the tournament itself is not.
2: Andrew, are you comfortable with the fifth major? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I think there's it's it's I think it's an interesting thing because it's like similar to Augusta that we're gonna see the same course year after year, even if this course is a little wonky in terms like there's not a lot of correlation between what players um how they perform year to year just because of how the course is set up but i think it's interesting because we get to see the different factors every single year we get to see 17 every year i know myself i'll just be throwing on the 17 you know featured hole cam and just kind of watching that all week it's a it's a great place if you've never been to tpc sawgrass it's a great day just to go hang out at 17 there's a bunch of bars around there there's some hospitality uh to go in 2019 and we spent most of the afternoon just on 17, bouncing between 16, 17, and 18. I didn't get to see a lot of the course, but it was great just watching those three holes, just for the their, how different they are and how similar they are, and like how you know 16 is a great par five, and then you got 17, which is obviously the short par three, and then you have 18, which is just a difficult, difficult hole. And the day I was there, it was blowing towards the water, so players were having to bail out to the right into the trees set up some crazy shots. So it's just a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I think it should be on every golf fans bucket list to go to, to go to TPC Sawgrass and, and watch around at the players. Uh,
0: here's what we're going to do today. I, I appreciate y'all for being in the room with us. Remember you can request to be on stage, ask us questions. You can use the chat function as well. We'll try to answer some of your questions there. We're going to give you an update on the weather forecast. Clearly, you know, as we uh, sit here today on tuesday early afternoon the forecast is is not looking great and i'm even prepared to predict that a monday finish feels likely because of that hush Uh, hush, john hush john (laughs) josh kendall uh, he has boots on the ground um he is he is at TPC Sawgrass this week for The Athletic. We're going to get his thoughts on a couple news items. Um, Andrew and I are going to give you some outright picks for the week that we really like, some top 10 um, finishes that we like as well, some tournament matchups. And Andrew mentioned uh, number 17, maybe a prop bet as, uh, as well. So, um, Josh, let's start with you. I, I heard you say you're not looking forward to a Monday finish, but the, the weather doesn't look good right now, does it?
1: Well, the last I looked, anybody who jumped on here real early and, and, and heard us talking could probably hear the wind over my, over my um, heads, headset here. It's already whipping up. Um, it's about 50-50 clouds, but no rain right now. We might get, they might get another practice round in tomorrow without any rain, but Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the moment are 95% plus. So, you know, I, 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 I'm hoping, you know, they can finish this thing on Sunday, but you're right. Right now, if you if there was a prop bet on playing golf on Monday, you know, I, I, I would put yes.
0: So it, I use AccuWeather typically um, to track conditions across the country when it comes to golf tournaments. And the first time that I've seen this uh, on the app and on the website, it said, quote, wet and stormy weather could lead to delays for the golf tournament. So even AccuWeather Josh, is, <laughs> is predicting It's against me, is against, is, me. Is, is That's against exactly you. right. Uh, but there's some, some news today that, that came uh, out of PGA Tour commissioners, Jay Monahan's press conference. You were there. Um, obviously, Phil Mickelson, a, a huge talking point. Uh, the Bryson withdrawal as well. Uh, what was the, the tenor
1: of that, that conference and what were your takeaways there, Josh? Monahan's tenor was very much the PGA Tour is healthy and strong. We've got a new TV deal we've got lots of money and we are moving forward we don't have time to be distracted anymore by rival golf leagues et cetera, et cetera. now pressed a little more on exactly what phil mickelson's future is with that with this pga tour he was a little you know less definitive um he would he would not as is his policy and as has been the policy of commissioners before him speak about any current or potential disciplinary action he said he has not spoken to phil since this whole thing blew up mid February um, and he would welcome a call from Phil, but he doesn't feel like he ought to reach out. What he did not, he said that when Phil wanted to return to the PGA tour, they would have a conversation. He did not say whether that conversation would include him welcoming Phil back whenever Phil's ready to come back or saying, how about another six months or how about X, Y, or Z? That's still very much up in the air right now it seems like the PGA Tour is hoping that Phil Mickelson will keep his tail between his legs and his mouth shut for a little while longer and let some of this blow over and then deal with that when it comes up.
0: I thought that potentially his next tournament would be the Masters. Do, do you see him potentially teeing it up before then? And, and is, do, you no. expect him to, do you expect him to play the Masters?
1: I do not expect him to tee up before then, and I think even the Masters is in question. That would be almost perfect because just the environment of Augusta, especially as a as a winner, as as a former champion, that gives you some cushion. You know, you you have some barrier there with the members. It's it's only going to get so bad at Augusta. We've seen Tiger return from not a similar situation, but an off the field issue. You know, it, it's not going to be any worse than it was for Tiger. And it wasn't that bad for Tiger, who only had to deal with sort of a, you know, 90 seconds of a public slap on the wrist. And it, and Tiger is beloved at Augusta and, and everywhere again now. I think Phil would be welcomed back pretty quickly. Wherever he comes back, he's going to have to deal with that initial barrage. Then.
2: Do you think – how awkward is that champion's dinner going to be because – you know, there, there's. I mean, I think there are a lot of players who were interested in jumping ship and were interested in what they were offering. Do you think that Phil's going to get a lot of backlash for that, or are the players going to be forgiving because he was, like he said, he was kind of the one going to seek this out and, you know, maybe make
1: improvements for the PGA Tour, which we haven't seen yet, but I think are coming down the road. I think you're seeing. I think overall and publicly they're going to be forgiving. But I think you, if you look, just right behind what all of these guys are saying they're pretty chapped at the way that Phil handled it. And so uh, like everybody is. So what I think is going to be the biggest difference is if Phil comes in, in hat in hand and says, I'm sorry, because I know that this blew up. My, you know, my motivation was not right. I put a lot of, of fallout on all of you and I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's one thing. If Phil comes into the room and says, you know, I'm just waiting for everybody to say thank you for all the good I did and starts taking credit for the new PGA TV deal and said, you know, then that's a different conversation. How? And, again, this is reading between the lines-ish. You know, it, it sounds like a lot of people, players who have dealt with Phil over the years kind of are expecting option B. They're expecting Phil to kind of come in and say, you know, get ready to get ready for everybody to tell him thank you for all the good work he's done. And I don't think that's happening.
0: Well, let's flip our attention to this week's event and Bryson DeChambeau, another uh, WD, nursing, um, a couple different injuries. I'm not sure exactly what it is. He's been pretty tight lipped about
1: it. Josh, do you have any updates on that situation and what Bryson's
0: future holds?
1: Nothing beyond the rest. I was surprised to see him. Go on the list at all because Friday when they when they released the field, Bryson DeChambeau's name was on there. That didn't last long. By Sunday, he had announced he was withdrawing. Um, he did the same thing kind of late in the game last week before Honda, saying the wrist wasn't quite ready. He's a guy that I definitely expect to be back by Augusta because he was he was second in line. He was he was strongly linked to the Saudi League, but not nearly in the position that Phil was in. And we haven't heard any pu- comments like we heard from. Like we heard from Phil, so I think it's going to be a lot easier for for DeChambeau to come back. I'm a little surprised he's not here, um, so I think he has some trepidation about it, but he'll be back sooner than
0: Phil. I believe. I know Andrew's upset that Bryson's not there um there was there was a a, a cut prop you were thinking about
2: yeah I, I, if, if, if Bryson wasn't there if he if he played it, I was just gonna just fade him this week just because You know, he's been hurt. He didn't look great the last time he's been out. He seems like he's had some mental anguish over the Saudi thing. Like, I just think it would have been a perfect, like, miscut for a player who everyone would expect to make the cut. So, but that's okay. He'll come back at some point, and I'll get a bet him
1: to miss the cut Then Uh, There you go. I hate to say this. Go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, there's always always time to bet against Bryson.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have a full uh, runway of that throughout the springtime and the summertime and even into the fall. Um, this year as well uh, we're going to get into some picks here soon josh but before we let you go i know you've got a lot of work to do on the ground and by the way make sure you follow josh's work this week at the players championship um do you have any leans to to start the week about who you think could play well um especially taking into consideration the conditions that these guys are going to be dealing with
1: yeah the, the rain makes it you know a ton of rain in puts a degree of sort of variability that I'm not real comfortable with. But I like Colin Morikawa has played five events since the Ryder Cup. He's T7 or higher in all five of them. Said last year he came in here – last year at this time he wasn't comfortable with his game, you know. This year he's very comfortable to the point where he's not planning on hitting a lot of balls in the driving range. He's just going to come out and play some golf, hold steady, hold steady. With, with where he is about his game. You know, we, we've seen this guy win. We've seen this guy be a killer in big moments. I'm, Kyle Amari Cowell is my early, early week pick.
0: I like it. like it a lot. I've got him in a matchup that we're going to discuss later. I know Andrew's looking at him outright as well. His odds as of today are, are 14 to 1, which – not the best value in the world, but for someone like Colin work who could potentially get it done this week, 14 to one um, is better than eight or nine to one, which we've seen some favorites, uh, John Rahm to be uh, an example of that in the past favorites have gotten up to that short of a number. So uh, it should be a fun week. Josh, I appreciate you taking 15 minutes out of your day to, to join us and chat about the players. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me guys. You got it. All right. So uh, as I mentioned before, make sure you get, uh, involved with this this conversation you can request to be on stage Uh, right now there's no line so if you wanted to come on stage uh throw your name up there and we'll get you on the show Um, jeremy j chimed in uh andrew and said who are your favorites for this week and why is it patrick cantley um so we've already got a cantley backer and we're gonna get into cantley as well in a little bit but um the first thing i wanted to do with you andrew is just start by identifying some players that maybe we hadn't thought about going into this week and maybe are now thinking about because of the weather conditions. Uh, If you watch the Arnold Palmer Invitational this past weekend, you basically saw on Sunday what you'll likely see uh, this weekend at TPC Sawgrass, except for maybe a a lot uh, softer and wet conditions, but the wind um, will be up. Is, Is there anybody that catches your eye that's, that's a really good player. And by the way, I use FantasyNational.com for my Strokes Gain statistics, and um, they have one of the best toggles that you uh, could could use in a situation like this when the course conditions are, quote, windy AF. And that's what they'll be this weekend. So it, does that change uh, your mind or, or give you anybody else to think about here, Andrew? Uh,
2: one player, I look I, Gary Woodland, he, he grew up in the Midwest. He grew up in these conditions where it's – Always windy, always wet, always not sunny and beautiful like in Florida most of the time or California. So I think he's one, and he's you know he's kind of turned around his game. He had a really good finish last week. Um, he seems to kind of be rounding back into form after he struggled after he won the U.S. Open. So I, I'm interested to keep an eye on him. Um, Will Torres. I'm, I'm looking at the what you put in our kind of our little cheat sheet here. I mean he's he's a great win player and he's a great ball striker, and I think that's what that's the type of player that wins at, at TPC Sawgrass. So that's someone I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, I'm not going to bet pre-tournament on Will Zalatoris, but in Thursday and Friday, keeping an eye on things, if he's up near the leaderboard, I think that could be like a good and like live bet for me.
1: Um,
2: I've I've found like betting live is a lot of fun if you're paying attention to the tournament, because it kind of gives you something else to root for. Um, I think that's just kind of why John and I probably bet on golf tournaments because they can be long and they, they take a long time and, um, you know, over four days, but I think that's someone else. And then Shane Lowry, I think someone mentioned him in the comments already. You know, the the Irishman, he is a great, uh, he's a great windy player. He's great at the Open. Um, I think he can have, he finds his way around the course. He's great at Augusta, and that's another course that you know, obviously you have to you, you have to. It's a it's a mental challenge, and I think TPC Sawgrass can be a mental challenge on players because um, kind of looking at some of the stats I, as we mentioned, I think. You know, there haven't been a back-to-back winner here in, like, 15-plus years. Um, It's a very random course in terms of, like, strokes gained um, and how players perform on it. There's not a lot of correlation year-to-year. Like, say, Augusta, there's tons of correlation. If you're a great Augusta player, you're probably going to be a great Augusta player for the rest of your life. If you're not a great Augusta player, you're probably going to struggle there. Um, And we've seen that traditionally, whereas at Sawgrass, like, those kind of go out the window. Um, So I think there's not a lot of correlation here, and that's kind of why this – the, the players is traditionally kind of produce some random champions. So I think it's be a great week, especially if we get some wind and weather and, you know, change it up. I think that makes for more entertaining golf because, what, out of the, you know, the 45-plus tournaments on the PGA Tour every year, what, 25 to 30 of those are birdie fests, you know, outside of the majors where they set up the golf course in a really tough
0: Exactly. And that's why I had so much fun watching on Sunday. Uh, that, that final round of the API was – was pure carnage. I think uh, I've made a note of it here that there were four players under par in round four of that tournament. Lucas Herbert, Kirill Hatton, Hideki Matsuyama, and Sam Burns. Four guys who made the cut were under par on Sunday. I think that's the type of conditions that we're gonna be looking at uh, when that wind really does pick up after the, the rain comes through. Um, So I I do have my eye on those four guys for that reason. They've already proven it to me, and they've proven it to me, like, within the last couple days that they can deal with with these conditions. Uh, I think Sam Burns could be a really interesting uh, play here, Uh, somebody that has shot up near the top of the official World Golf Rankings, Uh, which, by the way, did you see the note about uh, history this week and the World Golf Rankings? Uh, I did not. It was the it's the first time since the the rankings started that the top five players in the world are under
2: 30 years old. I mean, golf is like just kind of going back to the, like general thoughts. we like, in kind of the PGA Tour. Like, I think golf is in a really good place po- in a post-Tiger world. I, I I do think Tiger will play again, but I don't think Tiger. I would have said pre-car crash when he won another major. I think he had a really good shot at winning an Augusta again or an open championship like St. Andrews. Um, but I think golf in general is, like, in a way better place. Like, it's way more more well-rounded than it's ever been. And there's a lot of entertaining players like Colin Markauer, Daniel Berger, Brooks Kapka, you know, Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy. Like, these are all exciting players that I think golf didn't have right-wing Tiger Tiger and Phil were dueling in, you know, the early 2000s. I mean, I think, is it safe to say that Tiger wouldn't have won as many majors as he did if he had this level of competition going, like, in the early 2000s? And that's just something to, I I mean, that's something I just think about, like, big-term things as we consider, like, what Tiger.
0: It's a fair question.
2: I don't know if I can answer it. Um,
0: But I'll say that the guys on this list that I talked about, under 30, top five in the world, John Rahm, Colin Cower, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantley, Scotty Scheffler. You know who was a big part in making those guys want to play golf? Tiger Woods. So Tiger almost created this, if you will, just like he created the purse this weekend, by the way, and uh, how rich these these guys are. Remember, you can hop on stage. You can ask us questions. I want to start and do that. Will R. Um, is in the queue. Uh, I'll bring Will on stage. Will, what's going on? How are you? Are you there, Will?
3: I am. Hi, yeah. Thanks for doing this. I think this is a really good idea, really good use of uh, green room.
1: So I'm intrigued as to, um yeah, I love Rory. I
3: really feel he can do it in these um, slash fifth majors anymore. Like,
1: can you talk me around? Has he got a chance?
0: But that's a great question. I'm always here to talk about Rory. He's one of my favorite players in the world. Um And I've got nothing but respect for his game. Obviously, a former champion here at, at TPC Sawgrass. Andrew, I'll kick it to you and let that you kick-started about Rory and his chances here this weekend. And, and really, we could we could go and, and talk further about his chances in 2022 because you know, last week he started with a 65, and unfortunately he finished the weekend with 76-76. Um, that's neither here nor there. This week, Rory, Andrew, what's your thought?
2: I mean, I think Rory can win. It's just like he doesn't put it together all four rounds. And he keeps making little mistakes. Like last week it was putting the – putting the drive out of bounds after the the ambulance drove through. Um, You know, it was kind of a weird situation at Arnold Palmer, but an ambulance drove through the course. It's the only road in and out. They have to go across the road to hit a drive. And then he put it out of bounds immediately and kind of like his entire tournament was kind of derailed after that moment. So I think like for me, when I'm talking about Rory, like he's obviously one of the best drivers of the golf ball you know, like he's putting up numbers that are close to what Bryson's putting up and he's not bulking up the same way that Bryson did. Um, Like he's a great putter. He's a great thinker around the golf course. But then at the same time, I think he just overthinks when he's putting himself into successful positions. And, you know, this Rory has talked a lot about, you know, turning off his cell phone, getting off social media, you know, really being present and being all these things. And he's like a big self-help guru. And he talked about that on his podcast. And like, I just wonder if, he's like kind of missing that killer instinct that he used to have when he was younger. He's thinking about winning now and what that means versus when you're 25 years old or younger, you like, you just go out and do it. And that's kind of like what we're seeing with like Colin Morikawa, John Rahm is just going out and, you know, just beating the heck out of the golf ball and just beating people. And so I wonder if, like Rory, you know, he's what he's 30 now, I think. And, and it's like, are you like thinking too much about what it would mean to win an Augusta or win the players championship or when, you know, these other tournaments and, and, but the scary thing is like, you can see the game is all there. It's just like, it never comes together. I mean, and I'm curious, Will, like on your thoughts too, like, what does that look like? Like as a Rory fan and someone who follows him every week, like, is that frustrating to you? Is because you can see when he's great and then see when he's strong.
3: I think the putt, he's not as good a putter. I don't think he's a very good putter. I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying this, like without having the stats to back it up, but it, and he's not consistent anymore like you say four round consistency is gone in his pomp he was amazing
0: it's true and listen i, I don't want to uh, stereotype golfers here but usually and this is myself included usually when you've got a mallet putter it means it's not the strength of your game <laughs> and um rory uses the mallet and the, the putting definitely is something that um, has lagged behind clearly his strength, which is driving the golf ball and ball striking. Um, that's what has made Rory great. Uh, clearly his short game is classy enough. And, you know, to be to be honest, uh, you know, thinking about him specifically for this week, he's 20 to one. Uh, and it feels like a good number for a guy like Rory who just shot a 65 this past weekend, obviously didn't put it together for four rounds. And that's what he's going to have to do. Uh, this week is going to be, a battle of attrition. It's going to be last man standing. And if Rory wants to flip that switch and he wants to make that, that big time money grab that the players championship is, I mean, he's certainly somebody um, that can do it. So while he's not part of my outright selection for the week at 20 to one, if you told me that he was one of your outright picks, I don't think I would argue with it just on that that number alone and his experience and his history playing in windy and rainy conditions, being from Northern Ireland, that's golf, right? From where he's from. So I think that's something that he'll be able to deal with. And he's now in Florida where he spends a lot of time. So it's a home game for Rory this this weekend as well. Um, but Will, I really appreciate you hanging out and hopping in the room with us. Thanks, Lab. You got it. Um, we've got another uh, – subscriber in the room uh, Dennis E is here and I'm hoping that it's potentially somebody that we both know um, it is Dennis Esser joining us who by the way you can read his weekly comment column on the athletic um, he's got you covered with outright picks DFS picks um, one of the best columns we do at the athletic every week if you're a golf fan Dennis what's going on man thanks for joining hey John hey Andrew thanks for having me on yeah, absolutely. Um, what, I, I'd love to get your take on uh, how you how you feel about this tournament sitting here today on Tuesday afternoon.
3: You know, uh, on Tuesday, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it. I'm looking at the past champions, uh, the names, the type of players that have won before. And I'm thinking about ball striking, you know, just looking at what Colin Morikawa has done to this point, how he's played early in the season, but not yet winning. Um, you know, it was a valiant comeback attempt at the Genesis. And I just think, you know, he's poised to to put this on his back, you know. And, and there's a couple other guys in a similar situation. But they have things they have to fix a little more than what Colin has to work on right now. Um, John Rahm's hitting the ball incredibly, but around the greens he's lost. So I'm wondering, can he find that this week? You know, and and he's a guy like Andrew was talking about before. I'm looking to add maybe on Friday, um, you know, at a longer number if he's just, you know, inside the top 20 on the leaderboard.
0: I, I read something really interesting this week that at TPC Sawgrass, someone who drives the ball with accuracy and maybe a little bit on the shorter side, it doesn't kill you as much and he kind of falls into that that group of players for me so have you thought about you know an advantage off the tee this week by not having to hit it high and bomb at 330 could actually (laughs) help him out in these
3: conditions yeah I mean he can play it low um he could play it with that little fade you know there's a lot of things that he can go to as far as ball striking goes and it's all about that short game if the short game's going you know, I, I really think he has a good shot this week. And, and you got to get him at the right number. You know, at 10 to 1, 12 to 1, with the way Rahm's short game is right now, I don't want to look at it. But Morikawa, on the other hand, grabbing him at 14 to 1 seems like a real value, um, especially with a couple of the guys out. Like Bryson's gone, so you don't have to worry about if it becomes a driving show where, you know, if it's wet conditions and they're getting clean drop in place, you know, it, a guy like Bryson could have played well here if he was helped.
0: Uh, Karen E chimed in in the chat and said, Morikawa all the way. You need to putt well and drive the ball straight. Don't count out Scheffler. He has nothing to lose. Three wins out of the last four would be pretty darn impressive uh, and might as well go for three out of four. Um, Hovland talented enough to pull it off, too. Those are my three. Hey, you mentioned about John Rahm's short game that you don't want to watch it. Victor Hovland's short game, I definitely don't want to watch
3: that. Uh, the, we, we, he we've is been. lost. He is lost, uh, you know, fr- from from those bunkers. It's really amazing. He, need, he needs to get with somebody really quick because he's not going to be in contention for majors if he can't at least get to, you know, 50%, 60% sand save percentage. I mean, right now he's outside of the top 200 on tour. It's amazing. And,
0: and the zinger called him out for it, like live on the broadcast too. <laughs> he, he said exactly what you said, Dennis. He was like, I, I, I don't know what the heck he's even trying right there. He is completely lost in the bunkers. And to think, I mean, for, for any amateur golfer out there listening and, and thinking about their games, you know, Victor Hovland can't hit bunker shots. Don't worry if you leave one in the bunker this weekend. <laughs> it's, it's, it's honestly insane to think about him not being able to do that. Um, Andrew, do you have anything for for Dennis? I know that um, you worked on the column this week as well. What's in there yeah. that we need to know? I
2: I actually did the I did my outrights before I read Dennis's column because it came in. He submitted it this morning. I was working ahead on this, and and we both pulled column work out, which is not surprising as kind of like the leader of the pack there. But he he highlighted Cameron Smith at thirty three to one in the column, and that was kind of one I had circled too. He lives in the Jacksonville area. He plays really well in these kind of windy, nasty conditions. Dennis, what are your thoughts on on Cameron Smith and why you like him here?
3: Yeah, I think we're getting him at a much better number this week because of the miscut. And, you know, he didn't play that well at the Genesis his last time out. Um, We haven't seen him much since the Tournament of Champions. But, I mean, as far as, like, this tournament, it really comes down to par-5 scoring, going for the green. And Cameron Smith is one of the best on tour at both um he's not afraid to hit it anywhere up near the green because a short game is so good so you know i'm excited to see him he had a little bit of a break maybe you know that gets his driver straight because he's driving the ball fantastic in the fall um even into into when he went won the tournament of champions but then it kind of you know obviously fell off with the miscut at the sony so i'm hoping he gets his game back together uh i really like him at that number uh you know it's interesting because he's kind of a forgotten guy among these top players right now. You think? Why do
2: you think he's like a forgotten guy? Because like, to me, he has style. He has the mullet going. He has that nasty mustache going sometimes. <laughs> he's a really fun player to watch. I followed him at a couple of events. Like, he has personality. He'll talk to you on the golf course. Why do you think he's kind of like the forgotten guy out there? And in, in, when we're talking like top twenty, top twenty-five players in the world,
3: you know, I, I think part of it is he, he really hasn't had. Um, a scare in a major where he's 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 been up there in the final group really pushing. Um, you know he's won the tournament of champions, he's won at Sony, he's done some other things, but he hasn't been on that big stage really like uh, going going for a big win. Where you know the tournament of champions, it's only 40 players. You know I don't think a lot of people, even though he set a record for scoring at that tournament battling Rom, I don't think a lot of people give him credit for it because they think of it as you know, almost a uh, carnival golf because everything's a birdie, you know, I mean, what, what did he end up 34 under par 35 to win? Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, you know, but he has the game to still play at these type of places where he's got to make pars. He's got to play the long par three, eight. Well, um, you know, he's so good with his five wood. He's so good with those long irons that I, I think he's, he could be a contender this week. Um, you know, and there's just so many good names. The, I mean, look at how the Americans dominated um, the Ryder Cup. <laughs> how, how do you go past all these Americans? It's, it's just uh, so that's why I think he kind of gets forgotten a little bit.
0: There's a question in the chat. Uh, there's two guys that, that I'm curious to get your thoughts on. One is a question from me, Dennis, and the other is a question from Evan A. Um, not sure if you guys would have an insight on this, but what happened to Harris English? is the carriage back into a pumpkin after a year and a half. I know he's been dealing with, with injury, but do you have any, any insight into that, Dennis?
3: Yeah, I think he's going through injuries and I think it's better from what I hear, it's better for him to not play right now. So he doesn't mess up his game. Uh, I think he was trying to play through injury and might've, um, you know, it might've hurt his game. Uh, You know, so I, I like Harris English. I think he learned how to battle. I think he, he came a long way in the last two years and I hope he gets over this injury and gets his game going again when he's fully healthy.
0: If anybody else wants to come on stage and ask some questions, um, you'll be first in line. You can join us here on the show. We just want to wrap up um, some picks and answer any other questions that you have. And um, well, I, I mentioned another guy I wanted to ask you about Dennis uh, and that is Webb Simpson. Uh, He has also been dealing with injuries. He's in the field this week. I saw uh, he was out uh, getting a look at the course yesterday, um, hanging out with Bubba. Uh, I think he was hanging out. I saw him do a segment with America's Caddy as well. Um, So it seems like he's having a good time. He's ready for the tournament. And he's in – like, I have a a three-tiered look at my outright picks this week just based on where the odds fall. Mm -hmm. And um, he's kind of that third tier at 80 to one, right? Where it's like, it's a bomb. I like his game. He hits it low. I think, you know, his short game allows him to potentially save a lot of pars this week if he needs to do that. But I've also heard people say, you know, be careful about Webb this obviously being one of his first, or I think the first tournament back what's, what's Webb's situation. Do you have any insight on that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm, being careful with him. I mean, his price in DFS is right around 7,600. I think there's a lot of guys below him that I look to more this week. His odds are interesting, especially like if you're going to take him for a top 20 bet. Um, if you can find some place that'll give you more towards that 80 to one, you know, and cut that so that you get him at a decent price at 20 to one, I wouldn't mind dipping my toe in that water. But uh, I'm a little afraid. I mean, he was losing so many strokes off the tee for so long before the injury, and then it looked like he was back at the RSM Classic. You know, he he was his old old self. He gained almost 10 strokes on approach that week, and then he went to the Sony his next time out, and he was and he got injured, and he you know he almost finished dead last, right? He was down down in the 60s. So, you know, I, I'd like to see him play a little bit more before i I start putting him on my betting cards fair
0: that that's totally fair the only
3: if he wasn't sitting there at 80 to
0: 1 and with that long shot like you said the ability to maybe get him as a top 20 that's really good advice um that that's great advice and uh, we have uh mason uh who wanted to chime in and ask a question as well so um mason what's going on are you there
3: Hey what's going on uh, I wanted to uh, someone that was popping up to me it was Tyrell Hatton he's been playing really well the last few weeks and he is like 40 or 45 to 1 from what I was seeing what do you guys think about Tyrell this weekend
2: I'll, I'll just say something like if his, if his head the, the steam doesn't start coming out of his ears like he's <laughs> definitely there but he's one of the guys like if he's if he's playing well and it, things are going well for him he's, he's, he can put it all together and I'm, I'm curious what Dennis thinks too um, you know it's just – I think he can, and he likes playing in Florida. He likes, he likes the Bermuda. He likes the, the Florida conditions. I'm, I'm just concerned, like, when he gets down the stretch, if something doesn't go his way, especially in the weather, he's just going to kind of blow his top and lose his cool because we've seen him do that numerous times on TV. And he's not even on TV that much, so.
3: <laughs> it's so true. I, I loved him last week as, like, a pivot play, leverage play off of Leishman because they were just too close in price. Um, in DFS and I liked him as an outright it, he almost came through if he had kept his head together on Saturday you know he, sh- he would have walked away with this tournament so you know I, for me I don't think this is the place for him I think pete die courses probably are going to frustrate a guy like him because he, he, a lot of times you don't get rewarded for good shots um, there's little humps and bumps that kind of roll your ball to the wrong spots so – and his short game, even even in his run on Sunday, you know, he was leaving, leaving pitches like 20 feet short because, you know, he was getting in his own head. So I, I don't like him as an outright, but he's definitely priced in the right spot for me to think about adding him uh, in this weather this week in DFS. He was one of those guys
0: that I mentioned off the top of this live room. Um, there was only four players under par on Sunday in those conditions, and he was one of them, so – uh, if you like the idea of recent results and somebody that uh, recently proved that they can play in high wins, um, he certainly uh, did that. Thanks so much for the question, Mason. Um, you know, there's a couple other categories we want to get into, but but quickly, I just wanted to say Daniel Berger at 25 to 1 is somebody else that I like this week, and Brooks Kepke at 40 to 1 is somebody that I, uh, the other player that I like this week. Those are my, my three tiers, like as far as odds 25 to 1, 40 to 1, 80 to 1. Um, if I were to take players from, from those categories, I, I really like the way Berger's low apex could work in the win this week. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be able to hit fairway finders for the entire week um, and ball strike his way potentially to, to contention. Um, and then uh, we have some top tens as well. Somebody mentioned Patrick Cantley earlier. I like the idea of a Patrick Cantley top top ten. Um, plus 200 isn't a great number, but double the money on somebody that's always in contention recently. Um, I don't hate that. Andrew, you've got some guys in that
2: category as well. Uh, Seamus Power at eight to one to finish top ten. Like he's, you know, he had great, great run going in the fall. I think Dennis wrote about him several times too. Um, but then now he's missed three missed cuts. Um, he finished 35th here uh, a couple years ago. So I mean, I like, I like his game, and I kind of like when players struggle a little bit because they tend to bounce back, especially if they've had a really good, strong run. Um, and then Maverick McNeely. I mean, he finished 73rd at Arnold Palmer, but beyond that, he's been in the top 35 all year long. I think this is a younger, younger player that's just, like, starting to round into form, and I think he could have a really good week here. Uh, and just curious what Dennis thinks about Seamus Power or any of his top 10 bets, too.
3: Yeah, I mean, I was looking at my top 10s. Right now, um, I really like getting 4-1 to one on Berger for top 10. Um, talked about that a bit in the article. Um, you know, Seamus Power is interesting because I really thought he turned a corner. He had become a solid top 20 tour player heading into the into this run of missed cuts. And, you know, his game's not that far off. So I, I do like that number, 8-1 to one for a top 10 here. Seems really good. Uh, another guy to look for is uh, Taylor Gooch. Um, Gooch, two times in a row he's been in contention to win. Two times in a row started off horribly on Sunday, so uh, you know. But his ball striking so good, and it doesn't seem like the wind is affecting the ball striking. It's like around the green he's getting in his own head. You, everybody saw that three putt where he, it, what did it, it was like three putts all, all from four feet, missed mm-hmm. two of them. oof yes. Um, don't
0: remind Don't remind me that I had to watch that. Oof
3: <laughs> But there's some other guys like Alexander Noren. You know, Alex Noren's been playing so well. We haven't seen him since the Honda. Uh, he's another guy who's, who's shot up the leaderboard here before. You know, you, you can get some pretty good odds on him if you shop. So there's a lot of guys in that range that I really like, that it kind of keeps me away from power this week. Um, one guy I wanted to talk to you guys about, I don't know if you – if you talked about it earlier, um, because it, I was bouncing in and out of the chat. But Jordan Spieth, on some books, you'd get him at 50 to 1. And we're looking at, you know, pretty crazy weather, um, wind. Can Spieth go back to that game where he's happy hitting a low three wood and and trapping his shots and controlling the ball? Do you, do you think he has that in him? And is 50 to 1 something you'd you think about putting a nickel on? Yes. Yes. And yes, absolutely.
0: I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought him up. Um, The last time we did this live room, I talked to Andrew after afterwards and I said, man, um, I'm disappointed that we didn't get a chance to talk about Jordan Spieth. And I think it was going to happen again until you brought that up. So thank you. Um, I, I I am a Spieth fan because I love the way that he thinks his way around the golf course. And based on the way TPC plays, and when you get these conditions involved, yes, I think he has the mental capacity to like, you know, what would be a good example is the, uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, right? Like you go into that week, knowing that it's going to take a while. <laughs> and there's a lot of guys that are like, um, I'm good. I, I'm not, I'm not here to play a six hour round. I don't want to play with amateurs. I'm going to skip this week and go to go take my guaranteed paycheck. Um, elsewhere. Um, But Spieth does that and does it well and seems to enjoy it. So I think like a challenge like this can potentially bring the best out of his game, which right now doesn't feel like the, you know, the Jordan Spieth that is a major champion, but it's a Jordan Spieth that's been in contention now solidly for a year easily. Um, So his ability to work the ball both ways, his ability to, to flight shots low and of course drain putts, feels like a good call out, especially at this number. In fact, I talked about how I liked Rory just because of it. I like getting a guy like Rory at 20 to one. Right. And I think I think that's decent value. I speak that 40 to one sometimes in some places, like you said, 50. That's
2: better than decent value. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's okay. tough to
3: ignore for me.
2: I just want to call out, like we've talked about. I mean, we're always using BetMGM lines here, but I just want to call out: it is really important to go shopping for numbers if you're betting, especially if you're like you're in New Jersey, Colorado, the states that have a lot, of, Illinois, that have a lot of different books. Like that can be the difference between winning and losing in a week. Given you know, if you're if you're betting four or five times, I mean, and I think it's something we don't say enough. Like when we're talking sports betting coverage, is like it is so critical to get the right number. It's critical to bet early in the week if you have someone that you're leaning, because typically the numbers will move down as the week goes along, uh, especially the favorites. So, like, you know, even looking at Masters numbers right now, like Daniel Berger's 40 to 1 on the Masters. Like, there's 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 value out there in looking ahead to the numbers and just making sure you're getting the right number at whatever book you're betting on is because it's it it really can be the difference between winning and losing, you know, long term.
0: That's a great call out, Andrew. Um, All right, so before we get out of here, let's do. Um, tournament matchups. Let's start with Colin Morikawa versus Victor Hovland. This is one that I put on the board, and I'm rolling with Morikawa at minus 115. Uh, Morikawa here too.
2: Morikawa for
0: me as well. It's a it's a clean sweep, and I think you heard us talk about why we we don't like Victor <laughs> <laughs> um, potentially in this matchup coming off of last weekend, even though his ball striking was was very good. And by the way. Just just want to call this out. I know we dragged him a little bit, but the way Victor Hovland hits long irons is like one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Um, so good good on him for that. <laughs> uh, Daniel Berger, minus 125 versus Hideki Matsuyama, who's even money. Uh, Andrew, you put this
2: one on the board, right? Yeah, I, I like Hideki here. Um, I mean, he's been in great form all, all spring, early in the season here. I know Daniel Berger is a popular pick. I love Daniel Berger. For lots of reasons, these are two of the best ball strikers on course. Um, I think if Hideki has a good putting week, that he'll he'll beat Daniel Berger.
0: Uh, I like the number. I, I I love. I don't want to lay minus 125 with this. Hideki was somebody that I had circled that I had favorite. Um, and I could I could do that just because of the number. Um, but I but I expect both guys to play well.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm leaning. Towards Matsuyama because of the number. You get him in even money. Also, the way he's been playing par fives, um, he's going for par fives more often. He's hitting the greens. And now, uh, if you've noticed early in the year, he's added that flop shot to his game. So he's really not afraid to miss greens to the short side. Yeah, great
0: call out with the flop shot. Um, that only doesn't take skill, it takes some guts too. <laughs> and maybe yep. after uh, maybe the best year of his career, it's easy to have some some confidence. Uh, the one thing I wanted to call out about Matsuyama though was um, when we took a look at um, the best wind players uh, on tour in their last 24 rounds, he, he just doesn't show up there. I'm not sure what his game is like in the wind. Do, do either of you guys have insight into that? No, I, I just I, I think that's a maybe an unknown. I'm not, I'm not sure how Hideki's game holds up when it's nasty outside.
3: Yeah, you know uh, he's he's avoided a lot of Florida golf. Um, if you look at his career, he plays a, a lot on the West Coast. Um, plays all over the world, but um, he, we see him at the Open Championship. He plays well, but he's not in contention. So of the windy type tournaments that he would be involved in, I, I don't see a lot of high pressure situations for him lately.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And maybe that's why the number is exactly where it is. You got a Florida guy um, going up against somebody that doesn't spend a lot of time in that state. Um, uh, and then our, the final matchup here is Dustin Johnson uh, versus Brooks Koepka. DJ is a favorite here. Minus 135, huge number. you got a question mark
2: next to that, um, Andrew. Uh, it, feels, it feels a little off. It just feels off, but I'm mostly just going off of DJ's recent form. Um, I mean he's had six missed cuts since he won the Masters in twenty twenty and he hasn't won a tournament since then. He's had a had a couple of top tens, but I like I just don't think is at his sharpest right now where I think Brooks Brooks plays well in Florida and I just think like I just really like the number on Brooks here, but I mean Dennis usually Dennis is usually my guiding light on some of this stuff too. So I was just gonna put him on the in the spotlight on this one too.
3: Well yeah, I, I think Brooks um is the bet at that number in this matchup. DJ, you know, it's amazing that he put it all together at the Ryder Cup because his game outside of the Ryder Cup, around the green with his wedges, just is not sharp. Uh, we go back to when he won the U.S. Open, when he won the Masters. He had dominated with his wedges and with his putting. Um, you know, never mind. He's always a plus off the tee. Now he's not even that dominant off the tee. His wedges are really out of shape. He's missing greens from 100 yards sometimes. So uh, he's not somebody I I would lay that type of wood on against a Brooks Kapka who can step step up against tough competition.
0: Uh, It's a clean sweep for us. I think we all like uh, the same guys in those matchups, and there's a reason why they're on the board, and I'm glad to know. Um, that that we all like the same side uh, before we get out of here and it's been fun guys by the way I've really enjoyed this a lot of the times this is the second time we've done it it's the second time the, the room has gone longer for 45 minutes we've got some really great questions and um, we want to continue to do this and Dennis have you be a part of it as much as possible so thanks for hopping in here um, before we get out of here though let's have some fun on number 17 uh,
2: yeah I. This is a a prop I bet early in the week. It was minus 275 to have no hole-in-one. Basically, it's at at minus 350 right now. means implied probabilities at like 78%. There's only been nine hole-in-ones on 17 in 40 years. So that's like basically, you know, assuming there was one per year, that's like 22%. So There's not a huge edge here. Early in the week, there was an edge. But with the wind and how the conditions that we've talked about, how soft it's going to be, there's not going to be a lot of rollout. Um, I would say, like, betting no on, on a hole in one in 17 could be a fundamental prop bet, especially because you're going to see a ton of shots on 17. But I will say, if there is going to be a hole in one, traditionally it's been in that front uh, right hand side, kind of like, or front left hand side from the tee spot, right off that hill right there. So that's where most of the hole in ones have happened. And traditionally, that's kind of been the round three hole position, sometimes round two. So if you see it up there, that could be – a lot of times the PGA Tour on their, their communication site will put out the hole locations the night before. So I saw in round three it was 10-1 to one for a hole-in-one on that one. So that could be another little fun prop bet to keep your eye on through the weekend just to have some other interesting things going on on your, on your betting card.
3: Yeah, I love that, Andrew. That, that was one of my favorite parts of the Waste Management Phoenix Open was I was betting four hole-in-ones that week. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you hit a few know.
0: then. There's no doubt about that.
3: Yeah. Uh, I, took, I took it live each day too. So uh, that was a lot of fun because I'm going to be sitting there on my butt anyway, watching the entire tournament. And I wanted to feel like I was there at 16 at the Waste Management Open.
2: Do you, do you have any like insights in like hole position? Like I went back and just saw like of the nine hole in ones, there's only been five of them were on TV and I just went back and looked at, like, where the hole position was, all those, and they are all in the front. That they were all sense? front
3: like front left or front right because they can right. use the back Um right. the, to get there. The
2: one was in the back, but I forget why that happened. I think the guy – I think he flew it too far, and it, like, backspin back in the hole, and that was why it was on the back. Um, <laughs> other than that, it was, like, most of them were in the front. So just look at the, the hole positions. They'll go out on the, the PGA Tour uh, communications website. So –
3: Yes, it's very important to look at that. Um, you know, that's the good thing about Waste Management Open because it's they're easy locations for all four days. Like here, you know, you you, st- you have the wind and it's an island. It's 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 better to go Andrew's way and bet against the hole in one here. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's smart and um, it's been a blast hanging out with you guys today. Remember Dennis Esser, his column this week, uh, the Players Championship odds picks. Uh, best Bets, including Colin Moricala, Patrick Cantley, Max Homa, and more. You can find that column now on The Athletic. And by the way, we're going to do this for the first time. Um, if you've just been able to check in for some of the the show this afternoon, we're going to go ahead and publish this on the Best on the Board podcast feed. So go to wherever you listen to podcasts and, and follow that feed, and, and you'll get a full version of this conversation there. Uh, I appreciate uh, talking to you guys about this. appreciate all of our questions, and I hope you guys enjoy the golf this week.
3: Okay. Thanks, John. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having for me.
0: Thanks, guys.